Hey, what's up? This is RJ Hale from Hailstorm, and you're listening to Thunder Underground. Or is it Thunderground? That's that that's the shortened version. But right. it's it's Thunder Underground. Yes. Th- thank you for listening. Welcome to episode 360 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. And man, we've got a fun one this week because RJ Hell of Hellstorm is here. Episode 360. I just thought of that then. 360 degrees, does that mean this thing has come full circle? I don't guess because that would have meant that RJ Hill was on here on episode one then, right? Or something? I don't know. Maybe, how about this? What's circular? A drum head. A drum. There you go. There's the tie-in. Episode 360 brings us the drummer of Hellstorm, RJ Hill. Really looking forward to you guys hearing this one. This is a little over an hour long. Great stuff with RJ. He talks about all kinds of stuff. We talk about... Man, I'll get in that here in a minute. Got a couple other things to talk about, but first, let me tell you who our sponsors are. Med Pharma Dispensary located in Broken Air, Oklahoma. 24683 East Highway 51. Right off the highway. Very cool thing about them is they've got a drive through and I know a lot of dispensaries around here don't have that option. So if you call or text ahead, you can come right through that drive through pick up your stuff, and be on your way. You can also hit up Leafly.com to see their entire selection. Go in and check it out. Great staff, very knowledgeable, great people there. If you go in there and you mention you heard about them on Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is very cool. If you follow them on our socials, MedFarm, P-H-A-R-M, on Facebook, Med Farm OK on Instagram. They're always running great specials, so you don't want to miss any of that. Something else that is always ongoing, 30% of their proceeds at all times go to build no-kill animal shelters. Cannabis with a cause is what they say, and that's an amazing thing. Most businesses anywhere don't donate nearly a third of their profits to anything. So for them to do this and to help out a worthy cause such as You know, these animals that have been displaced, put them in a no-kill animal shelter. That's what we need more of this world. So check out Med Farm. Tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. Sunset Tattoo is a tattoo shop located in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed, and they are mother approved. 25 plus years of experience. Check out the socials, Sunset Tattoo, on both Facebook and Instagram. Tons of photos there where you can check out all the work. Jake does amazing work. 25 plus years of experience. All different styles. Walk-ins are welcome. If you call or text him or message or whatever you need to do, figure out a time to go in there and talk to him about work you're looking to have done. I've had work done by him. I'm going to have more work done here in the future. And I know many other people that have as well. And everybody's always pleased with their work from Sunset Tattoo. So hit him up and tell him you heard about him right here. Finally, we've got DEB Concerts. Concert promoter based right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They brought tons of great shows to this area. I'm talking out throughout the years, Saxon. They brought Saxon to a club in downtown Tulsa. I mean, if that's all they ever did, I would say this is an amazing promoter. But they've done way, way more than that. Last in line, L.A. Guns, Lita Ford, Warrant, Bisto Blanco, all these bands and clubs. Then they stepped into the arena game. They brought in Snoop Dogg and Nelly. Then this year, they brought back Snoop Dogg but with Ice Cube for two two sold-out nights in a row at the BOK Center Arena. 
They also brought in the Metal Tour of the Year, Megadeth and Lamb of God, earlier this year. Just a couple months ago, they brought in Poison with Tom Kiefer of Cinderella and L.A. Guns at the BOK Center as well. You can have more stuff coming up. So get on. Follow them on the socials, DEB Concerts, on Facebook and Twitter. The website is debconcerts.com. Follow them there so you don't miss any future updates. And of course, I'll bring you future updates here as well. All right, before we get into this RJ Hell interview, which I'm going to jump into pretty quick. I probably, I'm going to try not to be as long-winded as I usually am in these intros, since this is a, you know, like I said, over an hour long. But I just wanted to mention that, I mean, a lot of good music has come out in the past few weeks. And I've been gone a lot. I just got back from California. I was in Santa Rosa, north of San Francisco, working an event this past week. If you missed my episode last week with Kenneth Bryan, check that one out. It's great. But in the past, like, three or four weeks, there's been several albums that have come out that I haven't got the chance to listen to because of travel or just doing this podcast, doing other things. But anyway... Over the past couple of days, I've listened to the new albums from Lamb of God, The Dead Daisies, The Cult, King's X. I don't know why I put that one off too long. That's been over a month now. The new Ellefson, Ellefson Soto album. Queensryche's new album. Dropkick Murphy's new album. Ginger Wildheart and the Sinners. So much good stuff, and there's several albums out that I haven't even checked out yet as well, which I'm going to try to in the first, in the next few days. But just all these that I just mentioned are good. The Dead Daisies album's great. I mean, you can't ever go wrong with Glenn Hughes, the voice of rock, the voice of the gods right there. One of the greatest vocalists of all time. He's been on this podcast before, by the way, so check that out. Doug Altridge as well in that band, that band, Brian Tishy who actually comes up in this conversation with RJ here in a bit. This album's great. The new Cult album is great. It's very much, uh, I wouldn't say a throwback, but, you know, the Cult's more recent stuff has kind of shied away from the super, you know, kind of heavy rock stuff that they became well-known for in the late 80s and throughout most of the time. But in the mid-90s, they released a self-titled album, and it was very... Alternative Tinged of the Time. It came out in like 95. And this album doesn't really sound like that, but it kind of fits into that same vein where it's got more of that, their old school, you know, the early to mid 80s sound, that alternative kind of gloomy darkness that these guys are excellent at. I mean, Ian Astbury and Billy Duffy don't do anything that isn't excellent in my opinion. But this is one you should check out. I mean, it's, Eight songs, like 30-some minutes long. Can't go wrong. All these other ones. The Ellison Soto album is a great album that just kind of rips straight through. I mean, two excellent musicians coming together and putting out an excellent album of just excellent heavy metal. I wouldn't say that it's power metal, but it's closer. It's pretty close to power metal at times. But just check it out. That's one you definitely should check out. And the Queensryche album is fucking excellent. Ginger Wildheart and the Sinners. I'm going to talk more about that one in detail here later on. On another episode, but it's a very great Roots Rock album. 
you know, Ginger Wildheart, of course, from the Wild Hearts out of Sweden. I, I wasn't familiar with this project before the album came out, and I just checked it out on the sheer fact that it was Ginger Wildheart, as I would with anything he releases. And this thing's excellent. So if you like Roots Rock, you got to check this thing out. Dropkick Murphys as well. Their new album, Acoustic, was recorded in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right here. Another great one from these guys. So that's one to check out as well. So anyway, just wanted to mention those real quick and let you know there's a lot of great stuff coming out. Has been out. I don't think I ever talked about the new Clutch album, which is excellent. The new Soil album is a covers album. It has some great stuff on there. Their cover of Motorhead, No Voices in the Sky, is just fucking ripping. They do a cover of Prong, Snap Your Fingers, Snap Your Neck, which is great as well. So, all this stuff. Look for it. I'll be talking more in detail. And all this stuff will be coming up here And wow, just a little over two months, I guess. Two and a half months until the end of the year or so. In a couple months... When I have my best of 2022, I'm sure you'll be hearing about a few of those that I just mentioned, plus many more that I've talked about throughout the year. One of which, Hellstorm's new album came out back in May called Back from the Dead. Great album. If you like Hellstorm, there's no reason you wouldn't like this. It just rocks straight through. That's what these guys are great at. Great hard rock band. They bring it in studio. And most importantly, they translate it live. They're one of those bands that when I first heard them, when that first album came out in 2009, and they started getting mainstream radio play with stuff like I Get Off and It's Not You, I really liked what I heard. Great band. But when I saw them live for the first time, probably within a year or so of that, that's what took it to another level. And I've seen them several times throughout the years since. They don't phone it in at any point. Obviously, I haven't seen every show, but I can't imagine. They're just one of those bands that RJ's a prime example, but everybody in the band, when you watch them on stage, they look like they're having just as much fun as those people in the front row of that crowd are. You know, they're smiling. They all seem happy at every show. And on a personal standpoint, you know, I spoke a couple episodes ago about when I worked Blue Ridge Rock Fest. They were one of the bands that I worked with. Everybody in the band and everybody in their crew and everybody that worked with them, you know, was absolutely excellent people across the board. And this is something that we talk about here coming up in the episode. I mentioned it because RJ is a very outgoing, very personable. Most people you talk to will be fine, you know, are fine once you start talking to him. But he's the type of guy that will initiate the conversation with you, even if he doesn't know you. So it's always fun whenever you meet someone that comes across like they truly, truly have a passion for what they do. And you get that from RJ and you would get that anyway, without ever speaking to him when you watch him play live. Something else that we talk about here in this interview. I've always loved drummers like that, like Tommy Aldridge, you know, just has that. You can't take your eyes off him type thing. And RJ has always been that way. I mean, obviously, as a guy, if you go to a Hellstorm show, your eyes kind of lean towards the, the vocalist, right? She's a beautiful woman with an excellent voice. But that man on the drums pulls your attention away, no matter who you're there to see. And that's what I love whenever drummers can do that. So, 
if you've never seen Hellstorm live, you know, pull up some videos on YouTube and check them out. And this interview, you know, is great. We go all over the place. We start the thing talking about Faith No More, go into, you know, his love of fragrances, go into, of course, some Hellstorm music. He's got a new band that he's working on called Chemical Fire with Taylor Carroll of Lit. So looking forward to hearing that. He talks about that, talks about Taylor Hawkins and the Foo Fighters, all kinds of stuff. So let's just jump into it and let RJ do the talking. Here's RJ Hill of Hellstorm. San Antonio today, so nice. yeah, it's a good day. It's really, really exciting. We played New Orleans last night, and that was really fun too. What venue in New Orleans? The Fillmore. Okay. You you know New Orleans well? Now, I mean, I've been there a lot throughout my life, but I mean, I'm not like I'm not from there or anything. But I've been to a oh, lot of yeah. venues there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's oh man, God, what a beautiful city. We had a blast. It was great. We had a little too much of a blast, honestly. <laughs> but it was fun. Uh, where, where are you? Where are you at? I'm based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, nice, nice. We used to play the Canes Ballroom all the time. That's right. One of our go-to's. Yeah, I love the Faith No More shirt, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. Big Mike Patton fan over here. So yeah, he is my favorite <laughs> vocalist of all time. Dude, well, not not just that, but like my favorite, like front man of all like one of my favorite yeah. front men of, of all uh human history <laughs> right <laughs> just absolutely i i'm sad that I've, I've never gotten to see them live uh, uh but i wish i could have seen them back in like the angel dust era because that was when like i was really inspired by him when he was just going completely crazy and ape shit on stage <laughs> yeah yeah have you seen him live? yeah that's the first time i saw him was on angel dust Oh and then, God! Fuck you, man. I've seen him. <laughs> I think five times total. Dude, that's that's a bucket list item for me. I got to check uh, something off my bucket list uh, uh, a couple days ago. I finally got to see Nine Inch Nails. We played with Nine Inch Nails at Louder Than Life Festival, and it was just everything I I dreamed of and more. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. How's that look? Is that better? We got that we're looks, looking good. Yeah, that we looks got great. Good side. Yeah. Great lighting, right? <laughs> yeah. Great background behind you. A little artistic. Yeah, I know. The wallpaper is cool. It's like, oh, this is actually going to look cool. Let me see if I can center it a little bit more. Aesthetics, <laughs> it's it's important. It's all part of it, right? <laughs> That's right. All right. So, well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm, I, I am... Oh, uh, oh. God damn it, Taylor. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. Uh, let, me, let me message my writing partner. Tell him to not call me in fact i should probably put it on do not disturb okay all right well again thank you so much for having me this is i'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of pod i love podcasts so I, anytime i get to be on one i feel like i'm uh you know living the dream <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate that yeah we'll kind of just jumping into it you guys Go back for it. the dead's been out several months now and you guys have been back out there playing a lot of shows does it feel good after the last couple of years to kind of be back in the swing of things feels like we're literally back from the dead kind of you know 
not not literally dead, but uh, you know, we were we were kind of uh, in a dead zone there for a little bit during uh, during the lockdown, and we weren't able to tour. And um, you know, it, it feels like things. I feel optimistic. I feel like things are starting to feel like they're going back to normal. I think that we're uh, we're still taking safety precautions, obviously, because none of us want to get. I mean, I feel like not just COVID, but there's just you know, just touring and being on the road and traveling, going from city to city, zip code to zip code, interacting with so many people all the time. We're kind of you know more susceptible to um getting sick and you know we don't want to cancel shows we don't want to postpone shows and we want to be able to hit the stage and and play every show as if it's our last every single night so you know with, with all those things considered we're still trying to, to do it safely we're still trying to social distance and um you know but obviously things are starting to feel a little more back to normal so hopefully things will eventually go back to normal because one thing we really miss doing is full-on meet and greets we uh haven't done those since since covid so uh, i can't wait till those come back i mean the quote unquote normal thing does when you go from city to city is it still different in every state kind of the way it was during the okay. pandemic or is things kind of streamlined now as far as just being open and easy to yeah i, I feel know. like i feel like everything is kind of I, I feel like we're uh as far as like consistency goes yeah like every every place that we've been to has kind of the same policy where we're there uh you know obviously you know we advance the shows with our safety protocols and then the venues follow suit uh but uh you know but for, but we're we feel a little more comfortable interacting with like the locals that are working the show with us and um and you know occasionally if it's possible uh outside at the end of the show we can go out and say hi to some people you know which felt really good we did it last night in new orleans we saw some fans outside the bus and went out and signed some pictures and took signed some posters and took some pictures, <laughs> took some posters, signed some, right. no, uh, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I kind of, you know, loosely worked with you guys a few weeks ago at Blue Ridge Rock Fest. I was oh, the artist relations that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. guy for your stage. Tried that's to give right. you a couple rides down that gravel road a few times, but that's right. Yeah. You know what I noticed about you compared to a lot of people I've worked with throughout the years is you seem way more outgoing and personable than a lot of musicians. Oh, is that you just, don't say. <laughs> is that just by nature or like, I mean, it just seems like way more outgoing than you get for most people in that aspect. Oh, well, uh, thanks. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess so. I don't know. But my, my, uh, maybe I get it from my, my parents, I guess they're, they're, they're very outgoing, but my dad is especially is very eccentric <laughs> yeah. and he's a little bit kooky. Uh, just just like us um but uh i think i think it partially may just have to do with the fact that um you know i, I feel like kind of towards the end of the last album cycle my body was hurting my brain was fried and we were just we had been touring nonstop for 10 years straight you know it's what it felt like it was just chaos and um i feel like th if there is a silver lining to being off the road for a year and a half is that it kind of gave me a chance to recharge, rejuvenate, be a normal person for, for once, you know, in my life, just get to be with my girl and, and my dog and, and, um, and just, and just focus more on writing and, and less on having to perform and tour and just have my body just getting, you know, and, and it also kind of let me focus on, uh, my physical health, not only just my mental health, but my physical health and, and kind of explore other passions. And, um, and so, uh, now I feel like uh, now that we have a better mindset on how to maintain ourselves properly on tour, uh, I do feel just more mentally stable, a little more balanced during the day. And I, I do kind of feel 
I think in the old days, I'd be like, well, I'd love to go out and hang out with people. And, you know, but I know that's just going to, I'm just going to get tired or, you know, I don't know, like my shoulder hurts, blah, blah, blah. I just, you know, find things to, um, uh, find excuses not to, uh, go out and, and, you know, hang out with people, which I, I love people. So, you know, I think that just, yeah, I think that is partially that just the fact that we have this love of, of people in general, this, 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 um, natural empathy and, and, uh, and just passion for, uh, you know, our fellow humans, but also, uh, I feel like we, uh, are more great. I feel like we, we don't take the touring for granted as much as we, not that we ever really did, but it's, you know, uh, we take it much less for granted because you never know what could happen. I mean, it was taken away from us for that long. We never thought in our lifetime that would ever happen. So, um, now I, I, I like I was saying earlier, like we we want to hit the stage. We want to play every show as if it's our last. We want to take we want to really just soak up as much as we can while we have the opportunity to travel to all these different places, different cities, different cultures. And, um, you know, we're going to Europe in November, so I'm going to go everywhere. I'm going to see as much as I can see because you never know what could happen. Right. Do it you could, think we all gone tomorrow? You never <laughs> I mean, I hope it doesn't. But right. you never know. Like on the flip side of that, do you think when you're out, it's going to make you miss those moments where you got to spend with the lady and the and your dog and everything like like days on end, you know? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, a little bit of both, I guess. Yeah. But but you're right. Like, I, yeah, like when I'm on the road, it is, um, you know, it's I, I miss my my home life. I, I, I definitely am a homebody. I've got an incredible girl and I've got a, such an adorable little dog and i'm just i'm such a, i'm an insane dog dad but the cool <laughs> thing is that um in my situation my girl works from home now like she doesn't she had an office job and now she just works out of a laptop like a lot of people do um and the again the silver lining to that is that she has more opportunities to come out and visit and like actually kind of experience the world with me like she's going to come out to europe and we're going to go to like uh Prague and and Croatia and Spain and Portugal and uh, no I'm sorry not Portugal but you know uh, <laughs> uh Vienna and a lot of cool places so um so I'm I'm very grateful that I have a partner that is able to do that because I feel like um in, in previous relationships where I was with you know someone that like didn't really want to travel didn't really want to come out and see me it was it was a lot more difficult to maintain so uh, you know, I'm with someone that greatly respects what I do is very patient, very much independent, like, you know, and I, that's another, that's when, you know, as a touring musician, you found a keeper and Emily is, is, is so independent. Like she, she's, I, I, I think I, I asked her one time before a really long tour, I was like, so are you going to miss me when I'm gone? And she's like, no, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I'll get the house to myself. I get to just hang out with, with our dog, with, with Oreo, our dog. So, uh, <laughs> so, and I was like, well, at first I was like, Hey, you know, like I kind of want to be missed, but I know that she does miss me, but uh, in, in healthy amounts where it's like, you know, she misses me, but she completely understands what I do. And I'm so grateful for that. So that, that makes my life a lot easier. And, and it makes me, uh, and you know, it, 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 I think that when you're in a relationship with someone who like kind of resents you for touring and you then kind of start resenting touring it makes you more prone to be less social and less interactive and want to go out and experience things um and you know but but now i feel like i'm in such a good mental state with my my 
relationship is so balanced. My home life is so balanced that when I'm on the road, I feel more free to like kind of enjoy things like, Hey, you know, like wake up, like go out and we're in new Orleans, go out and see some jazz. You know, <laughs> we're in Paris, go out and see some, uh, fragrance boutiques or whatever, you know, like just go out and have a good time. So yeah, I, I feel, I feel just much better all around. You know, I, I feel like, sorry, I don't mean to ramble, but, uh, yeah. I just feel like this, this is like a new beginning for us as hailstorm going on tour. Like we just feel like we are, we have more freedom to just enjoy it. You know? Well, speaking of that Europe tour, I mean, that's a strong triple bill with Alter bridge and mammoth. I mean, talk awesome. about that for a second. I mean, that's like, I mean, three powerhouses right there on one bill. Yeah. And, and we, we've known the Alter bridge guys for forever. I've known Mark and miles and flip and all those guys. And, uh, and we've known Wolfie. For a long time too and we've known a lot of guys in his band like his drummer garrett used to play in a band called submersed with one of our really good friends eric friedman who plays guitar with uh tremani and so it's like it's all a big family with those guys so that's what makes touring really fun too is the people that you're you're with that's what uh that, that's what makes it so enjoyable you know and wolfgang was actually on tremani at the very beginning right he was at this point. He played bass yeah. with uh, Tremonti, and the dude is just a mountain of talent. Like yeah. it's just insane how t- I had no idea. I remember the first show. I was walking in the venue and they were playing, and I was like, "Damn, whoever Wolfie has singing for him sounds really good." And then I walked around. I was like, "Oh my god, he's singing!" <laughs> I had like I knew he was a multi instrumentalist, insane talent. I had no idea he was that incredible of a vocalist too. Like the dude can do it all. It's freaky. Yeah. He's got good genes. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, was but, doing but, those. But, uh, uh, besides all that, though, he's such a sweetheart. Like, he's so humble and so nice. Like, you know, you'd expect, like, uh, you know, someone of that talent. And, I mean, he's blazing his own trail. He's making a name for himself. But also, you know, he is the son of a rock god. And, uh, you, and you know, he has every right in the world to be this arrogant little prick. But he's actually so fucking cool so so nice he's got like honestly like if if he was an asshole i'd be like oh well i get it you know like you're you're rock you're you're a the next generation of rock and roll royalty but he's not he's so (laughs) friendly and so personable you almost forget who you're talking to when you hang out with him because he just seems like you just feel you're talking to like a long lost buddy you know uh and we we've known him since 2012 since we were making the strange case album he used to come out and visit us and uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, from the beginning, he's just always been such a humble level. I, I'm just I'm so incredibly blown away and so proud of, of just seeing his musical journey uh, since I, I've known him since he was like 19. So it's uh, it's truly incredible. And now he's married and now he's a, and now he's a it's just like, man, where do the years go? It's crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah, I do appreciate the fact that he's kind of, like you said, blazed his own path and not really relied on the fact that, you know, he could just got there doing Van Halen type stuff, you know? I, well, that's, that's the, that's the other thing too, is like, you know, um, you know, he, 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 he has the name Van Halen, you know, and so he could do it every once he could go out there and just do whatever, you know, and, <laughs> and it would, and it would probably catch on. But the fact that he, uh, just shook the world by like just saying like no i i, I want to make he want you can tell he has a desire uh, to make a name for himself as an individual not just ride the coattails of his family name but he actually uh has proven to everybody just how just just how incredibly talented he truly is and 
And oh man, and I didn't even mention like what an incredible songwriter he is too. Like I'm blown away when I was listening. Like oh my god, these songs are so solid. You know, it's one thing to be an incredible virtuoso uh, of a musician, but also to be um, such an incredibly just just having the ability to write a great song is another a whole other animal. It's, it's another um, almost impossibility for so many artists. And so I I was also just that, that that was the thing that struck me, I think, the most out of everything else that he can do. Speaking of songwriting, you mentioned Taylor called you at the beginning of this. Oh, yeah. Talk, <laughs> talk a little bit about Chemical Fire. Like, what's the status on that? What? Sure. And, and thank you for bringing that yeah. up. Yeah, we just had a meeting with management today. So, uh, yeah. So this is a project that me and Taylor Carroll started together. We're old friends. I've known him back when he was playing drums for a band called Pillar. And we met at the Mall of America in... Uh, <laughs> in Minnesota when he was in his bus and we were in our RV and he just came over and knocked on the bus. He's like, Hey, you guys a band. And we're like, yeah, you guys a band too. Cool. Like, come on in, have a beer. Let's have, let's hang out. And uh, we just never lost touch. Like we always stayed for, we both lived in LA for a little bit. So we would hang out there. And then, uh, uh, and then the pandemic hit and, uh, and we got back in touch and we just were honestly, like we were just looking for anyone that wanted to write with us. We just, we had to stay busy. So, uh, you know, a lot of Zoom writing sessions, you know, with other writers. And we just realized like, man, like we have a really good chemistry writing music together. And and we both kind of pick up where each other lacks in, in a sense. Like we have a great creative partnership. So um, and not only that, but he's also a really talented producer as well. So um, and, and multi-instrumentalist. So uh, as a songwriter, I just felt really glad that I could just put on my creative hat and let him do more of the mechanical work. Uh, with with song ideas that I would present to him, so uh, so we're uh, still writing, and but we are planning on releasing some music soon because everyone's chomping at the bit. You know, we we launched our social media uh, uh, platforms because uh, you know obviously in this day and age, one of the main goals is to just kind of build your online following. Um, but we quickly realized that as soon as we launched the social media platform. Sure enough, everybody said, where's the music? Where's the music? I want to hear it. I want like the, like the demand for people to want to hear music. We're like, oh, OK. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, so we're still in the process of putting an album together and we're still writing the album. But we have a couple songs that are already finished. So we're thinking like, well, we have some strong material. Why don't we just put it out there just to kind of satisfy the curiosity, uh, you know, while while people are really curious before it kind of starts to cool off. So. Um, so that's our goal now is to get a song out hopefully really soon. So I'm excited. It's, it's different. It's much more aggressive than Hailstorm. Um, I'm doing a lot more singing and a lot more crazy drumming. And also, uh, it's, it, it kind of throws back to our punk roots. Like there's punk elements in there. So it's, uh, it's really fun. It's, it's a fun project. So when you say more aggressive, do you mean heavier or faster or like, in time, it, yeah. there's moments where it's heavier. There's also moments where it's a little bit more um, melodic, a little more soaring. And there's moments where it has uh, like really stark punk roots, like start to start to kind of show through, which is kind of what Taylor and I were raised on. So, uh, you know, we, we love uh, we love punk drummers. And, and uh, so uh, when we're writing this stuff, a lot of that comes out just because like that's just kind of really fun stuff to write for us so yeah it's it's uh it's it's different than hailstorm but it's uh 
but it's also easily digestible. I think the average Hailstorm fan could hear it and be like, oh, okay, yeah, like, I, I get it. Like, this this, this works, you know? Because obviously, it, it, you know, your your personal writing style seeps into everything that you're a part of. So uh, you'll probably hear Hailstorm elements in there as well, you know, from my end. So, <laughs> Are you playing drums on this entirely or are you guys sharing that? Well, uh, so he's playing guitar and singing and I'm playing drums and singing. Uh, oh, okay. But we're... We're thinking maybe, uh, you know, we, we both can play both. So we're like, maybe we should trade off and do some, you know, he he's also an insane drummer. He plays with Lit now, the band right. Lit, and we love Lit. And uh, uh, But uh, we also have a couple songs where he was like, hey, you want to play piano? And I'm like, I'm sure, why not? You know, so uh, <laughs> so we, we might, we might uh, you know, switch some, some things up uh, for our live show, you know, which we're <laughs> excited about. Like, that's that's the dream. We're just, we're just like, he and I personally are just like, man, I can't wait till we can play a live show. It's going to be so much fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if he's handling like the production aspects and that side of things, and you guys are both drummers, is there, there's no kind of like butting heads at any point, like him trying to put input into what you're doing or that vice versa? No. And that's, yeah. and that's the beauty of it. And, uh, and that, that's how, you know, you have a really good creative writing partner is when you have trust in your partner, when, uh, you know, um, uh, we, we just we have a lot of respect for each other and the the things that we both accomplished as individuals. And uh, and that uh, that is so important when you when you are in a vulnerable position where you're like opening your soul in front of a creative partner. And like when you're trying to create this weird thing that we love to call music, this weird human thing uh, <laughs> you have to have a lot of trust in, in your creative partner. Like you have to like uh, uh, trust, like when, when they say like, yo, I'm really not feeling this idea. You just have to like, you know, keep your, leave your ego at the door and just be like, okay, cool. And well, like, let's, let's try to beat it. Let's try to, you know, and so uh, it's a very good freeing. I, I always say like, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Netflix. Like we just, we literally, uh, you know, no idea is a bad idea unless we both agree it is. We throw everything at the wall and then we start to kind of step away and look at it and think, okay, like this works, this doesn't work. Let's try to beat this. This is cringe, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> uh, we, uh, you know, um, I think it's also important not to settle. I think a lot of songwriters just are like, okay, da, 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 da. okay, well, good. We wrote a song. We're done. You know, like, we, like it, it's a, uh, it's a long process. You got to go back to it. You got to like really hyper criticize it. You got to be super hyper critical of yourself. And that can be difficult for a lot of writers, but we, I think that we've gotten pretty good at uh, uh, just being just, you know, trusting in our instincts when it comes to like what we think is a good idea or cause it, it's hard to tell when you're in that process, you know, you, you don't know what's good or bad until you kind of step away and then examine it from like an outside perspective. Uh, luckily, Scott Stevens is, is kind of our, uh, our prominent third member as, uh, as a writer and producer as well. And he has a great, uh, he's a great coach. Like he has a great ability to kind of, um, give us an outside perspective of, of what, what works, what doesn't work, you know, uh, what lyric works, what part doesn't work. You know, uh, he's, he's really good at kind of like, he's kind of like our editor in chief. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any kind of timetable on this or it's just kind of when in between your guys' main projects as you can get it done type thing? Well, well, here's the frustrating part is that COVID and the lockdown, we're still feeling the remnants of that, you know, on the business end, behind the scenes, 
which a lot of people don't see. And uh, everything takes a lot longer now. What used to take three days now takes three weeks. So it, just, it requires an incredible amount of patience um, for us to, um, you know, get anything out there. So uh, uh, we're hoping that we'll get something out this year. Um, realistically, though, I, I feel like it, it's probably no later than next year, I'm hoping. And I'm hoping that we get to uh, put some live performances on the books just so we're able to uh, also broadcast to the Internet that, like, we're a real band and and here's what we fucking do, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, we can swear on this podcast, right? Yep. Oh, I love of it. Of course. Because <laughs> I, ne- I, I, I would never fucking swear on, on a podcast if that was the rule. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Earlier you mentioned, you know, aggressive and all that. And I've always appreciated drummers that have that hard-hitting style and, you know, are a little more animated in their playing. And I was a huge fan of Tommy Aldridge growing up. Yes. And I know you guys covered Whitesnake, you know, a few years ago. Is that Was that any kind of influence to you or where'd your you know, where'd that come from for you? Just the beat, you know, the more animated style of drumming. Oh, Tommy Aldridge is, is one of them for sure. He's, he's one of the pioneers, you know, he's, he's a, I, I often find underrated as much as a, as much as he's made a name for himself amongst the music world. I feel like amongst the layman, I, I, I feel he, uh, he's such an underrated player. Uh, Cause yeah, I loved his work with white snake, but I really loved uh, the, uh, uh, the, if if you look up old videos of him, I, I believe playing with Ozzy, he did, uh, he was one of the drummers that did the drum solo with his hands, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I think he continued to do that and probably still continues to do that. But, uh, yeah, I saw uh, him a few years ago and he was still doing it. Still doing it. Oh, yeah. good for him, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only him and Bonham and John Fred Young are the only three drummers that I know of that are probably more than that. But, uh, <laughs> Brian but, uh, what was it? Brian yes, Tissue yes, does it Tissue, too. Yeah, who's awesome. And uh I think I think I actually saw him play with uh Billy Idol a lot. He played with Billy Idol, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love Tommy Aldridge, love grow grew up on John Bonham, Keith Moon, Ginger Baker, those guys. So um yeah, that's that's kind of my origins, and that's kind of the reason that I wanted to go with Ludwig <laughs> in the beginning. Um unfortunately though, uh a lot of their hardware just didn't hold up for me. So I switched to Pearl and Pearl has been amazing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like th- those are my roots. So that's what I kind of grew up on. I kind of grew up on the things that my dad raised me on Ian Pace from deep purple and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, I saw your reel the other day where you said that you ice your wrist like five minutes. Yeah. Is yeah. that like, that's an every show thing is that you think that's from your playing style i don't know if that's something common that all drummers do or not but every show i i was uh, when we when we toured with eric church he had a physical therapist out with him and she told me that that's what max weinberg does after playing with bruce springsteen because apparently after years and years of playing he also has a lot of tendon problems and and for me i'm like I want to keep doing this. So, um, so again, kind of going back to what we we're talking about during the pandemic, I was really focused on not only becoming a stronger songwriter and musician and artist all around, but also uh, trying to just maintain my physical health and try to rejuvenate that. And um, the icing has been working great for me. I've been recommending it to a lot of other uh, drummers that are having, uh, you know, cause after years and years of playing, you're, your joints just start to wear out. They got a lot of miles on them. So uh, it's, it's been a game changer for me. Not only do I ice my wrists, 
but I also have a, um, I've also developed some shoulder problems and that has kind of consequentially resulted in elbow problems too. Cause you have a ball and socket joint here. You got carpals here. So like a lot of free range, um, but your elbow joint is a hinge joint. So it's like the train method. If your engine is, is wobbling and your caboose is wobbling, then the middle car is going to be affected. That was the terminology that I started learning of, like from a lot of physical therapists that I was, that I was interacting with. And um, so I have a shoulder wrap, I ice my hands and I have an elbow wrap with some ice packs in it. So it just kind of helps to reduce inflammation. And uh, you know, other than that, I've changed my diet for uh, you know, eating foods that are that aid in uh, reducing inflammation. I started experimenting with uh, collagen, um, uh, glucosamine, uh, a lot, a lot of different uh, 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 magnesium, things like that. So I've been trying to just kind of educate myself on how I can maintain and continue to do this because uh, I like it or not, I feel like this is probably going to be my future forever you know <laughs> who knows i mean i don't know I've, I've really fallen in love with singing um but i think drumming will always be my uh my, my go-to you know career thing so uh i kind of don't have a choice at this point i i have to maintain you know i, I right. don't, yeah i don't think uh you know I, I made my bed and now i have to stick with it i've got to lie in it and so i'm just doing everything possible to, to be able to continue to do it right Speaking of, you know, that White Snake cover, and you guys have done several of those reanimate albums. If there's a reanimate 4.0, is there anything specific you would really like to cover, or is that something uh, you think about? Actually, we kind of already have started on it. We have a couple, uh, we, we, we tracked two songs in Nashville before this tour started, but I, I don't think I'm allowed to say what they are. But, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we, we've got some, we got some ideas in mind. For me personally, though, and this probably will never happen, but I'm also as a songwriter, um, you know, and, you know, I've been in the rock world forever. But as a songwriter, I really, really love pop music. and I really love mainstream music. And I've really uh, fallen in love with a lot of modern uh, pop artists. Like I'm also a massive Harry Styles fan, a massive uh, Casey Musgraves, Lizzo uh Megan the Stallion. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm a fa I'm a huge fan of like modern pop artists. And for my guilty pleasure purposes, I would love for us to cover an Olivia Rodrigo song because I don't know if you've heard uh, her album Sour, but it's one of the most incredibly just showcasing incredible songwriting. Like I I it's it it's one of those very emotionally heavily focused records where. It's all kind of based on one central theme, which I find is so uh, such a brilliant idea. You know, it's it's about it's it's such a heartbreaking record. It's very kind of similar to um, Casey Musgraves' last record, uh, which is also kind of about her experience going through a divorce. And I think the Olivia Rodrigo record is about uh, her uh, really hard breakup. You know, it's like it's like teenage teenage puppy love breakup stuff, but it's like. But it's oh my god! Just the, the the way that it's written, the way that she describes certain things is just absolutely mind blowing. I listen to that record and I think I need to attempt to, you know, try to even get close to this level of brilliant songwriting. So for me personally, I would love to cover. So I I, I always love like covering like the modern pop songs. Like we did Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. We did Get Lucky. 
by Daft Punk. We did uh, uh, Heathens by Tournament Pilots. So uh, those to me are like the most fun. But also, I I do love uh, I do love the challenge of of uh, trying to replicate the the brilliance of like the the classic Metallica stuff, the um, Soundgarden stuff, and so that was that was that was like the most challenging because like that's you have such a respect for that era that you don't want to mess it up. You know, you want to, you want to like, you, you want to pay respect to them and you don't want to change anything. So, um, so on, on both ends, like I love doing both of those kind of things. So, um, so as far as like the 4.0 goes, I feel like uh, it will probably be a nice balance of, of those things, paying tribute to the classics, putting our own little twist on it, but also um, uh, kind of, rocking up pop songs and maybe introducing rock fans to like uh like hey you know if, if you love hailstorm you know and like for example like we sorry i'm, I'm so long-winded but for example <laughs> we we rocked up bad romance and that actually made a lot of rock fans appreciate like oh shit like the lady gaga is actually pretty awesome like the song is really cool you know and it kind of like uh works both ways i think that we kind of acquired some pop fans and she probably acquired some rock fans so it was it was a really cool thing when we did that so yeah so again uh long story short i think it'll probably be a little bit of both like that i mean i'm not just saying this that's my favorite cover of your guys is bad romance yes! i mean i'm a rock <laughs> hard rock and heavy metal through and through but i just love your guys version of that i mean it's such a great song it's such an incredible song, and I'm a massive Lady Gaga fan. So, yes. you know, if, if I if I met Lady if I met her, I would probably just kill myself the next day because, like, well, I don't know if it'll get any better than this. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, I won't. No, no. But uh, <laughs> that's a dream of mine. Maybe is to is to meet Lady Gaga someday. That'd be cool. I'll, I'll, yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would clear my schedule for that. <laughs> well side note kind of related soil just released a cover of halsey's nightmare if you haven't heard that it's excellent no way really yeah, yeah. oh that's so cool right yeah. on I'm, I'm loving the fact that i i'm seeing the genres the barriers between music genres really breaking down i think it may be partially by the way that we consume music nowadays like you we have these streaming services where you can access literally every song that's ever been made nearly um as opposed to the old days when you would go into a record store and you would find your section. Um, I feel like uh, people are, people are becoming more and more homogenous with the way that they, uh, that they consume music. It's, it seems to be the, uh, uh, it seems to be kind of more of, of an open, open game. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's just, it's reassuring to hear pop artists playing guitar again, like, like, you know, bringing, uh, making heavier music cool again. Honestly, we can thank Stranger Things for introducing a whole new generation of, of kids to Metallica. So, right. you know, bra I, I say bravo to like anyone who has the power to kind of like throw a lifeline out to uh, the rock genre. Cause like it or not, it is definitely a, a, a significantly smaller world than the mainstream or top 40, things like that. So uh, uh, I embrace it. I think it's, I think it's really cool uh, when that, whenever that happens. Uh, yeah. And also, I, I love when, like, uh, I, I believe "Bring Me the Horizon" was featured on a. I, I believe it was a Machine Gun Kelly song or something like that. It's uh it's really cool to see the the cross genre collaborations too. Um, so that's another dream of mine. I would love to collaborate with someone like Olivia Rodrigo or so, or maybe even someone like uh, like Trixie Mattel or or like someone uh, like that. Because apparently, uh, 
my girlfriend and I are like massive RuPaul Drag Race fans. So uh, a couple of the drag queens are actually Hailstorm fans. And we're like, oh! like Diabetti and uh, Alyssa Hunter actually uh, performed the song Mayhem by us on oh, the wow. show. And oh my God, like, okay, like we, we won a Grammy. We were nominated for another Grammy. But it, I think that was up there. Uh, <laughs> just for me and my girl personally, like hearing my song on RuPaul's Drag Race was like, it yeah. was, it, it was, like I was blown away. So, <laughs> so I, I'm weird in that sense. I, I, I would love to do some, uh, some very different out of the box type collaborations with artists that are from different areas of the music world, I think would be really fun to, I, I hope that happens more, you know? Yeah. Kind of in a similar fashion. I've always appreciated when bands that are, you know, modern bring out like a classic band, like opening form that right? you know, their audience yeah, might not totally. have heard, like. Foo Fighters had Motorhead out with them like 10 years ago. And, you know, just stuff like that, you know, I always thinks great because it exposes people. Oh, God, the Foo Fighters, man. Oh, well, when, when, when I heard the news about Taylor, it was I I cried. It was heartbreaking, man. Yeah. Have you seen any of the tribute concerts? I saw a lot of the one from London, but I haven't seen any from the just what well, that was just two nights ago. Right. Yeah, the the yeah, one at Wembley was amazing, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I have to I have to watch the uh, the ones from the forum. But yeah, that was really powerful. When I when I saw Shane get up and play his his dad's song, it really kind of hit home for me. I was like, oh my god, like that's something I kind that I kind of overlooked was the fact that he was a dad. He had kids, you know, young kids. Yeah. Um, man, that was just heavy. Oh man, but his, his son killed it. I, I loved his. When he played my hero, I could just I could feel his his passion coming through his playing. It was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Here's to the Foo Fighters. Here's to Taylor. <laughs> Miss you, buddy. <laughs> I actually got to meet uh, Taylor though, and he was just such a gentleman, such an incredible sweetheart. Him, him, and Dave both. I, I, I got. To, I'm lucky enough. I got to meet them briefly, but um, yeah, crazy. Yeah, I mean, I I know there's no answer to this question, but as a drummer, like. How do you replace that guy if they move forward? It's like you can't you can't replace someone larger than life. Do you know should they just get a touring drummer? Should they get someone that's a massive star? Should they get an unknown? It's like which way would you I, go? Honestly, with that? when when I heard the news about Taylor, I really thought that it was okay. Well, that's it. That's the end of the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Um, but no, I I think they're going to continue, which I'm I'm happy about. Like I, I it would be a tragedy if we if if the Foo Fighters hung it up. You know, I I think they should keep going. I think that's what Taylor would have wanted. Um, but I, but you're right. I think it would have to be the right person. Uh, I, I, I've heard some rumors about some of the people they're considering, but, uh, but yeah, I think it would have to be someone that, uh, maybe I, I think pr a good example was uh, the, we toured with Avenged Sevenfold when Mike Portnoy was playing okay. with them. And I thought that was really cool because, um, apparently Mike was a big influence on the rep. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that was a really amazing moment. And I'm really glad I got to uh, tour with them uh, when that, you know, uh, and be able to, to see that every night. They, they paid such an incredible tribute to Jimmy every single night. And I, I cried a lot of times, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, Taylor, man, he had such a huge part of that sound, you know. Um, so it, it would have to be the right person, you know, I, and I... And I feel, and I'm, I'm sure that um, uh, it's it, it's fairly obvious. I'm sure that in that camp, there it's it's that's a very difficult decision for them to have to make, and probably a very painful one. Um, 
to be faced with that type of decision. Uh, but, uh, you know, knowing, knowing how, what a solid, great camp they are. Cause we, we've known a lot. Our producer, Nick also produced some food fighters records and, and they're just such a great down to earth camp. Um, you know, I, I have no doubt that they'll make the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in a complete 180. Sorry, about- yeah, yeah, not, not, not to bring this uh, conversation <laughs> down, but um, thank you for mentioning Taylor because that that was, uh, I, I think any any chance we get to pay homage to to the to the brilliance of that guy, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. I was going to bring up fragrance. Like, where did your where did the love and passion? <laughs> like, where did this all start from? Like, is it from when you're a kid, or is it more recent times that you really got into it? Or uh, thank you for bringing that up, by the way. Uh, <laughs> No, um, I'm trying, you know, I've been actually trying to rattle my brain and think about like where it all kind of spawned from. And I think it may have started when I was really young. My dad gave me, uh, I was going to, I was going to like a middle school dance or something at my school. And, uh, and I got like a nice, I went to Kmart and got like a nice, like, you know, kind of a, blazer and and khakis or whatever like trying to look my best and i was like taking like some uh some girl that i was friends with uh uh, to this dance whatever you know we were just you know i was like um gosh maybe 13 something like that so obviously like you know i was just taking out one of my friends uh but uh uh but my dad gave me his his old bottle of english leather uh the the classic little cheap fragrance, you know, but has like kind of a musky masculine kind of scent. And, and, uh, and I took it and I like put it on. And then five minutes later, I was like, Oh, I can't smell anymore. I put more on. And then, Oh, I can't smell. I put more on. And, and he had to like, no, no, no. Like, like you, you go anosmic uh, to it. You, you go nose blind to it. you like, I can smell you from the, from the front yard. Like what? Well, I can smell you from the driveway. So I had to take all my clothes off and like get in the shower and scrub it off and all that. And then I put like a nice, just like two little dabs under each uh, pulse point. And, uh, but I loved it. I, I honestly like went there like with this extra little boost of confidence. I was like, Hey, like not only do I look really good, but I smell really good too, you know? And I got a lot of compliments from the other kids. I was like, wow, like what's that? You know, uh, and we're kids. I didn't know. I was like, I don't know. It's a cologne. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so that was like the first time I was introduced to fragrance. But then um, fast forward till I was like 17, something like that, going on tour and also kind of like single and kind of on the dating scene as a young lad, as a young touring rock musician. Uh, the the disadvantage to <laughs> uh, when you're touring at that level and you're playing tiny little clubs is that it's it's very rarely will you find a shower (laughs) and it's so gross to think about it now because like that now that i'm older like i I would never do that but like as a kid like you know you're you you just accept the fact that um you get what you get you know and and obviously we were broke so we wouldn't stay at hotels we would sometimes stay at campgrounds but a lot of times we would just camp out at walmart parking lots and we'd have to like go in the bathroom and kind of do like a little bird bath in the sink uh, you know, nasty. And, uh, but one, one of the things that helped to kind of keep that at bay was, uh, was just having a nice, uh, perfume, nice fragrance with you. And, um, Tyler from Fear of a Dead Man introduced me to Le Mall by Jean-Paul Gaultier. And so that was my first, I went to the mall. I got myself a little bottle of Le Mall by, uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier. And I loved the scent. I loved that it was like a classic kind of bright and fresh and clean smelling fougere type fragrance. 
which I didn't know at the time, but, uh, but it also had this nice vanilla sweetness to it, like this kind of sexy sweetness to it. So uh, I loved that scent. That was my go-to. And then I discovered, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Versace's Mano Frech, uh was the other one that I got. And I loved that it had even more of that kind of sh- out of the shower, clean scent with a little kind of sexy muskiness to it. Um, so those were like the first ones I got into. And then fast forward even further, uh, I started, you know, I, I met my girl, Emily, and uh, we started dating and she started introducing me to all these like content creators on YouTube that she followed, like Cody Co and Tiny Meat Gang and and at the time, Jenna Marbles. Oh, miss you, Jenna. Uh, and, uh, and we just started like during the pandemic, like that's all we would just devour is like, you know, YouTube youtubers and uh and i started uh discovering fragrance youtubers and i was like oh like this is interesting like i okay so like during the pandemic i was getting i was it gave me the freedom to kind of get into different uh cool things like passions that i was developing like i started getting really into like how cigars are made i got really into like fine wine i got really into uh uh you know style and fashion and all as well as songwriting and all that but uh, I started watching uh, fragrance content creators on YouTube and it was just really fun. It was like nice, really fun, interesting background noise. So um, I started like learning about uh, niche perfumes, not just the ones you find at the mall, but like avant-garde ones that you would just find at, you know, niche boutiques and stuff like that. And, uh, and I, I kind of discovered uh, Tom Ford and I discovered uh, Zerjoff and Killian and, and all these really cool uh no, Tom Ford's a designer brand. He doesn't count, but his private line is considered niche. But I started getting into like niche perfumery. And and uh, the first one I ordered was Tobacco Oud by Tom Ford, uh, which was discontinued. And I sprayed it expecting like this nice, pleasant fragrance. It was my introduction to niche perfume. And I smelled it and I was like, what What the hell is this? It was so, it 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 fired up all the neurons in my brain. And I... And it was like, at first I, I was like confused. And then I was like, oh, this is awful. I hate this. This is terrible. <laughs> but then like after it dried down and settled in, I washed it off immediately. But then like a couple weeks later, I was like, let me try it again. I sprayed it and I let it. And I just like, the beginning was so pungent. It had this stanky oud, uh, which is like a Gaiac wood note. And then it had like to the back, to back on whiskey. And it was just so complex. Uh, but I let it fully dry down and then it would, and then like because i didn't even realize that as it sits on the skin it changes it uh, especially with niche perfumery most designer scents stay linear but niche perfumes start to develop and change and morph as as it dries down so i gave it a fair chance and then at the end of it i was like oh my god this is incredible i've never smelled anything like it and it, it was like I got the same rush of, uh, of endorphins to my brain that I get from writing a song, coming up with a line, coming up with a melody that, that, Oh my God, like Eureka moment. When you, when you write a song and you listen to back to it and you're like, I can't believe I just wrote that. You know, uh, it was, it was that same kind of thing. So my, so when people ask me like, why, and, and then, and then that kind of led to me, collecting more fragrances and then I, well, as soon as i had a really decent collection i was like i would love to start making my own fragrance content and kind of put my own personality in there like kind of make it silly but kind of tongue-in-cheek and kind of entertaining but also uh just kind of educate people on what i've educated myself on uh just by following other fragrance creators and and learning more about 
the process of perfumery. I just, I nerded out on it, you know? Um, and so, sorry, long, uh, again, long winded, but, um, uh, when people ask me, why do you continue to, you know, go down this rabbit hole and continue to collect fragrances and, uh, and create fragrance content. And it's kind of like the same reason that I started making music to begin with. It was therapeutic for me. It was a way for me to forget about the world, but here's the thing. Music has always been my therapy, but now it's my full-time career. And when you do something long enough to, to, to prevent it from feeling like a job, um, you need to have a distraction from that sometimes. So fragrance and fragrance content and the art of perfumery is kind of my escape from uh, when music, when making music starts to feel a little bit mundane. Like it's a, it's an outlet for me there, you know? Um, so I have, I just, I have several outlets and that's what just kind of helps to keep me balanced and keep and keep music exciting for me. And uh, it also uh, is just, it really is nice on the road. Well, when I'm on tour, it's a great way to pass the time. When I put my headphones on and I'm editing uh, fragrance videos, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, it, when I, when I need a break from, from writing and making music, I'll do that. And that'll be kind of like my little escape from that. And that's, therapeutic for me too and it, it really kind of helped me get through the last tour which was a long tour and i hadn't that was one of those tours where i didn't get a chance to see my girl or my dog because we were still having the strict covid protocols like we couldn't that was hard you know like we couldn't interact with anyone outside of our touring personnel so um locking myself in in the bus and just working on that like helped me kind of get through that tour there's the long description of uh of everything so there you go <laughs> well i mean i'm personally i'm pretty basic i switched between like cool water and aqua de geo but like are you those are great do you are you do you wear something different every single day or? yeah 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 uh i usually bring i have a i have a big travel road case that i bring my bottles out with me uh but i'm gonna be flying at the end of this tour from sacramento so i uh i'm actually i i bought these little travel atomizers so i basically just kind of like fill them up from my bottles and i take them with me uh but yeah every day i like to have a different rotation i like to have a different scent of the day and i like to all the other bands that we tour with i've kind of turned them on to a lot of different scents i've kind of become like a fragrance guru for a lot of other touring acts because uh especially the opening bands that are kind of up up and coming they're kind of in the situation that we were in when we started where like they can't a, a lot of times they can't afford hotels they can't it's hard to find a shower. Um, so they like to have a nice scent out with them to kind of, you know, keep the, keep, keep the, uh, you know, kind of stay fresh. <laughs> so right. to speak. Uh, but I, I, I have a love and respect for really high end luxury niche perfumes, but I also have a lot of love for a lot of cheapies. In fact, I've done a lot of videos on like really solid cheapies. One of my favorite is Armani Code Absolute is a really great cheapie. Uh, strong with you absolutely is is mind-blowingly great but even like cheaper than that like versace i feel like is a great house for uh for really quality cheap fragrances like mano fresh uh versace pour Homme, i highly recommend you check out um that's a really great masculine clean and just good everyday scent kind of similar to cool water by davidoff which is kind of a copy of uh uh green uh gr green irish tweed by creed but a but a much a really good solid cheaper knockoff um uh, and then aqua de joe is just a timeless classic and uh if if you really want to check out some 
amazing uh, flankers of Aqua di Gio. Check out Aqua di Gio Profumo, which adds incense and woods and it makes it a little bit more mysterious and darker and really amazing. And also the brand new uh, Aqua di Gio Eau de Parfum is uh, what I like about that one is it's not just a slightly more concentrated version of the original Aqua di Gio. They actually take it in a very cool, amazing, modern direction. I feel like fragrances like Aqua di Gio, the original Dior Sauvage, and even things like Blue de Chanel, as much as I love Blue de Chanel, uh, you know, they're the ones that are kind of overplayed and oversprayed. And they kind of uh, adopt the nickname of the ex-boyfriend fragrance. Like, <laughs> so beware. I'm just saying, like, be careful when you wear those uh, if you're on the dating scene. But um, as far as uh, more modern uh, cheapies go, uh, a lot of the flankers of these uh, of these major lines actually put out some really cool things that have that familiarity of the original, but they take it in a really cool twist, a really cool direction. So I, I always recommend Aqua di Gio Profumo and Aqua di Gio Eau de Parfum as alternatives to Aqua di Gio. If you're wanting something similar, but takes it in a cool, unique, and more modern direction. Cool. I'll check so there that you out. go. Dropping <laughs> that knowledge on you. <laughs> Do you ever have one on that you personally like and then Emily's like, no, never again? Oh, all the time. <laughs> I say all the time on my on my on my YouTube channel, which by the way, everybody follow Dr. Magnificent S C E N T, my fragrance channel. That's my alter ego. Uh I, I post it on my Instagram all the time. But no, she's hypersensitive to a lot of fragrances, but she really likes the brand Lillabo, uh, which is uh a, a very, very popular niche brand that you can access to they have a lot of boutiques all around the country and a lot of malls and uh, her favorite fragrance is Matcha 26. Uh, my favorite from them is Tonka 25 and Tobacco 28, which is their tobacco scent, which is amazing but expensive. Uh, but but, but that's, a, that's another niche brand that I always recommend to people who are wanting to get into niche perfumes, but kind of, you know, it's, it's more of a gradual step towards that direction. It's still very mass appealing and they're not, they're not extremely, they're not uh, largely challenging fragrances. They're, they're still quite, um, pleasant and uh and mass appealing uh but they but they take it in a niche like uh they, they have a niche like uniqueness and quality about them um santal 33 by leila Beau is one of their um uh, one of their flagship products and i i recommend when everyone uh, if you go to the mall the next time you're at the mall if you have a leila Beau, uh boutique and you can't miss it it looks like a little laboratory it's really cool their whole theme is awesome uh, i always say uh, go check them out. You know, make sure you test it on your skin. Don't just trust the paper strip that will not give the fragrance its full justice, and it will not, uh, and, and you won't know how it performs. Like if if you're wanting it to last long, test it on your skin. Walk around the mall for like an hour. Check back on it. You know, just kind of uh, step away. Maybe get a coffee because that cleanses the palate. So go to the mall early. Uh, hit up the Leila Boutique, uh, boutique. Check out like three or four. Put them on your skin, leave, walk around the mall, grab yourself a coffee, wait like an hour, check on them again, see how, see if you like the way that they developed and how they perform, and then make your decision before you buy. I will always preach that because there is a horrible misconception and a lot of, not from my experience, but there, I know there are a lot of salespeople at the mall who are just trying to get that quick sale, and they show it to you on a paper strip. You're like, you like it? Oh, I like that. Cha-ching, <laughs> buy it, and then you take it home. And it performs like a wet noodle and you don't like the way that develops in the dry down. You're like, oh, you get buyer's remorse and you can't return it because it's been sprayed. 
it's tragic. So like if you're getting into fragrances, I have been, you know, follow my channel because I have all kinds of tips and tricks like this just to make it uh, uh so just so you don't make a lot of these common mistakes that a lot of people make. So um so there you go. I I'm, I I thank you for letting me use your outlet to preach that because I hate I hate the way when that happens. It makes me so frustrated and I don't think it's fair to the fragrance customer. Uh, to get swindled like, like that so not that it's necessarily a scam but like you know i get it like they're, they're trying to make their sales but you know make sure you go and test out these fragrances with uh with that knowledge like make sure that you keep that in mind so <laughs> well i'm sure you've been asked this a bunch but have you ever looked into doing a collaboration or anything like branding it with your name on it type thing a lot of people have asked me that and i would i'm i'm very open to the idea. It also kind of terrifies me because <laughs> uh, there's so I have so much respect for perfumers. Like I have, I I, I am a fan. Uh, you know, as much as I am a fan of like Olivia Rodrigo and um, and Led Zeppelin and you know all the music artists that have shaped me into the artist that I am. I am equally fans of people like uh, Francis Kurt John um alessandro gutieri uh there's uh oh uh, uh terry vasser uh and of course um alberto marias i think is his name the one that, that created um aqua di joe another great cheaper that he made is uh this one called no limits by philip klein is I, I i did a first reaction video i'm still editing it but it was just spoiler alert i loved it uh <laughs> But if I were to collaborate with a perfumer, it would be a tremendous honor on my part. Um, uh, I think, oh, Aaron Terrence Hughes is, is another brilliant perfumer. Uh, but I, I, I would I would definitely I would be so incredibly honored if uh, if a if a brilliant perfumer like that would want, you know, kind of my more uh, layman and fragrance fan uh, input on uh, what they think someone like me would like, you know, I, I would never want to take the reins and just start putting things together because uh, that I think is, I, I just, I have so much respect for perfumers that have mastered their, that takes years and years and years. Uh, you know, the equivalent of someone like me playing music since I was 10 years old, someone who has someone like Francis Kurt John or, or Alberto Maria's or uh, you know, all, all these or Cecile Maton uh, these perfumers have, you know, it's, it's ingrained in them that they're so seasoned and trained or, and, and they also have, uh, a lot of them have chemistry backgrounds. Like they're like, uh, Aaron Terrence Hughes is a chemistry major and he, he was getting into science and chemistry and then he just kind of fell into, uh, well, I don't know if he fell into it, but he, he caught the bug for perfumery and now he applies his chemistry education towards creating perfumery. And I love following him because he gets into the nuts and the bolts of like, uh, the the chemical the aroma chemicals the uh uh the essential oils and and like and he he kind of like breaks it down in a very uh scientific way and that's uh that blows my mind when i hear people talk about that you know <laughs> it's uh, he's like the equivalent of like listening to someone like neil degrasse tyson or carl sagan uh you're just like you could be making all this up i wouldn't know but i am <laughs> riveted by whatever you're saying it's like that equivalent <laughs> to perfumery um but uh, but yeah, but to answer your question, I, I would be tremendously honored. But I would, uh, I, I would definitely let whoever 
wanted to do the creating, I would, I would definitely give them a lot of, of creative freedom for sure. <laughs> well, it's really an untapped area, right? Because when you see collaborations, it's always like actors or actresses, models. You don't really see it in the rock world. I, I, I see a lot of musical artists uh, releasing. Actually, uh, another great cheapie. And I know you're going to, some people like us may not, like may just overlook it or just dismiss it by the bottle presentation. But Cloud by Ariana Grande is actually a really amazing and incredibly androgynous scent. I find it's very gender neutral. It's it's basically a uh, uh, it's not a direct clone, but it's basically a heavily inspired uh, cheap designer. Uh, well, cheap, you know, more affordable, lower price range. Uh, 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 I don't want to say knockoff, but uh, you know what I'm saying, like kind of. Uh, highly inspired release uh, by uh, Backrout Rouge by 40 by Francis Kirchhoff, uh, which is a very, very famous but very expensive uh, niche perfume that is very much widely loved. And I've been I've been kind of promoting that uh, that the even though it looks like a it's like a little it's like the Disney princess bottle. It just looks so adorable. I honestly <laughs> love it because I don't care. Like I'm, I'm very uh, 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 neutral in that sense. But uh but the scent alone is actually really, really incredibly androgynous. And I, fi I find that Baccarat Rouge 540 is one of the best examples of a fully androgynous fragrance. And Cloud is like the lower price range version of it. It may not be the same, may not have the same nuances, but it's, but it's really damn close and it's really damn good. Well, yeah, yeah, but, but that's an example <laughs> of a musical artist. But you're right, I don't see a lot of... Yeah. Um, rock artists collaborating with with uh fragrance brands um or or uh things like that i i would honestly like love to um do that someday i, I would be honored i would be tremendously honored um i think there's a couple more too i feel like i think that lady gaga has one billy eilish has a really awesome fragrance that i kind of want to get again it, i mean bottle presentation <laughs> looks like a very heavily feminine leaning fragrance and it is more feminine leaning but it uh, again I, I find it extremely androgynous and uh, and uh I, I i love actually i love her bottle presentation the billy eilish fragrance is a great one too right on yeah right. <laughs> sorry <laughs> i don't get me started man i'll go <laughs> off <laughs> no it's great content i love it well man oh thanks i'll let you I'm go I, I appreciate you taking the time with me today it's been great and i Oh, dude! Thank you for all the great questions. Honestly, uh, you know, uh, it's 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 questions like that that I really enjoy sinking my teeth into, and usually ends up resulting in very long-winded answers. So, thank <laughs> you so much for letting me go off and nerd out on on all these things. But um, but the reason for that is because uh, uh, all the questions that you asked were like really fun and interesting things to like kind of get my brain going. So. I always love when interviews are like that. Like it's it's a good little brain challenge. So, thank you for doing that for me this didn't even feel like uh part of my work day this just felt like a nice uh a nice hang a nice break from from my daily routine so thank you for uh for providing that for me well i appreciate you saying that it means a lot well uh feel free to have me back anytime because honestly this was a blast and i'd love for us to do this again and dive into some more crazy topics man absolutely <laughs> we should have you on the national nose have you on the my fragrance channel <laughs> absolutely I'd all right to. man that's a deep it's a deal <laughs> There you go, R.J. Hill of Hillstorm. A massive thank you to Ashley White for her help setting that one up, and of course, a massive thank you to R.J. Hill for not just taking some time out there, taking a lot of time out. You know, and for those very kind words he said there at the end, 
anytime anyone has said that, something similar to me throughout the years or when me and Jason were doing it, you know, it always means a lot to have a musician that's done buttloads of interviews throughout their life, you know, to compliment the questions or the conversation or whatever. So a huge thank you to RJ for taking, you know, like I said, well over an hour there whenever he was on tour. I know they just completed this uh, tour, this fall tour here just a couple of days ago, and they've got this European tour coming up here in a month or two with Wolfgang Van Halen, Mammoth, WVH, and Alter Bridge. I mean, that's one hell of a bill right there. Alter Bridge's new album is coming out this Friday. Let me tell you, I heard an advanced copy, and it's a banger. That's the... I mean, it's Alter Bridge. Every album's a banger. But yeah, if this is your first time listening, I greatly appreciate it. Let me tell you what's coming up. I just recorded an episode with Josie Scott, the original singer of Saliva. Great interview, talking about what he's got going on. Very cool stuff. That one will be coming soon. I also just recorded one recently with Micah Riza and Amy Faith. Micah Riza has been on this podcast several times. Amy has not. But Mike and Amy have a brand new project called The Fa. And that, they just released their debut single. So look that up. I'll be talking to them here on the podcast coming soon as well. I've also got, right now, three other interviews scheduled. But if you've listened before, you know I don't announce them before they happen, just in case something falls through. But those are very cool as well. So on the next episode, hopefully... I'll be able to tell you at least one or two of those. If this is your first time listening, man, 359 episodes previous to this. Fat on, you know, guys from Shinedown, Drowning Pool, Trapped, Skillet, Tesla, Kiss, Deep Purple, The Dead Daisies, Crowbar, Great White, Def Leppard, Crosion of Conformity, Sons of Texas, Battlecross. I've had on a lot of guys from 80s bands. Like I just mentioned a couple there a second ago. I've also had on guys from LA Guns, Kicks, Queensryche, Twisted Sister. I've had on a lot of like super heavy stuff. The Black Dahlia Murder, Prong, Typo Negative, Super Joint, Megadeth, Testament, Death Angel. The list is great and long. TheThunderUnderground.com You can check out everything there. You can listen there. You can find all the socials, so follow on everything. Wherever you're listening now, like or subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Because they're coming. Anytime you see a post on any social media, if you like it, comment or share, that's a huge help. Absolutely. Alright, once again, a huge thank you to MedFarm, DEB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo. And of course, a huge thank you to RJ Hill. And until next time. Thunder Underground, man. I'm great. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me, man. Thunder Underground, y'all.